Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. Arcseedkits.com. Today is December 13th, 2021, and our first story. In a New York Times op-ed, Charles M. Blow writes, We are edging closer to civil war. And a hedge fund billionaire recently gave an interview where he said, Yeah, he thinks so too. About a 30% chance civil war happens. Now, I think they're referring to kinetic civil war, people shooting at each other. I think it's fair to say we're in a civil war. And one of the biggest indicators is, is according to this hedge fund billionaire, that people care more about causes than the system. So the system is in jeopardy. I also think we need to point to rising food prices. If people can't feed their families, people will snap and the tribalism is getting worse. In our next story, CEOs who backed Black Lives Matter seem to be regretting it now because they're begging Congress to help stop the looting. But perhaps it's just a clever ploy. They're really just trying to destroy their competition. In our last story. A CNN producer has been arrested by the FBI for preying on children and doing disgusting things. This guy apparently worked shoulder to shoulder with Chris Cuomo. Interesting. The scandal gets crazier at CNN, or I should say the scandals. Now, if you like the show, leave us a good review and give us five stars. Tell your friends about it now. Let's get into that first story. In a new op-ed for the New York Times, Charles M. Blow argues that we are edging closer to civil war. Recently, we heard from another billionaire hedge fund guy that he believes there's a 30% chance of a civil war occurring in this country. And if you've listened to my commentary over the past few years, I've also advanced the theory, the prospect, of civil war in the United States. Now, a lot of people are reluctant to actually agree with this idea or say it could happen. And even if they do, Like in this circumstance, the New York Times, they never want to say that it would be soldiers marching at each other or armed individuals in some kind of conflict. They always end up saying something like, well, it'll probably be in courts and in culture. And that's mostly true. And I I say that to a certain degree, you know, fourth and fifth generational warfare. But of course, that does include kinetic warfare, which we want to avoid at all costs. But there's a really good reason why we're edging closer towards a civil war, as this New York Times article actually states. Although this article is more from a leftist establishment perspective, it basically says that abortion may be the big issue, or at least similar to the issue of slavery, something that conservatives have argued and something I've argued as well. Now, that being said, I am not saying at any point I believe with 100% certainty there will be a kinetic civil war. I do believe with 100% certainty that we are in a fourth and fifth generational civil war. 
Fourth and fifth generational warfare refers to subversive tactics, information manipulation, psychological operations, and not so much street or urban warfare or, you know, ground battle or kinetic warfare, as it were. We're in it. There's several reasons to believe we are. And both this billionaire hedge fund guy and the guy at the New York Times hit the nail on the head. Ideology. The billionaire basically says that when emotional or political issues, tribal issues are more important than the system, history tells us civil war happens. And he's right. You have wokeness versus anti-wokeness, whatever you want to call it, libertarian versus authoritarian. You've got just establishment politics versus populist politics, left versus right. However you want to break it down, there are two overarching spheres of influence that are at odds with each other. Now, of course, you and I fall into one of these camps, which tends to lean in the right direction. But that doesn't necessarily mean everybody involved is on the right. Certainly my politics, when it comes to actual policy, eh, somewhat center left. But when it comes to reality, I think the biggest factor in what's causing a civil war is the false reality and actual reality. Now, the left likes to cite that, you know, Colbert thing, you know, uh, what do they say? Uh, reality has a liberal bias. That's what he says, which, you know, may have been true to a certain extent a long time ago, but it's certainly not true today. Right now, the issue is, do you believe in the truth or do you live in the fictional world that tells you inflation is good for you? If you read the likes of The Intercept, a progressive publication, they say inflation is a good thing while the economy crumbles. But anyone who knows history will tell you that if food prices get too high, civil war you get. At least it's one of the factors. And right now, outside of the expanding conflict in the culture war and the the two different spheres of influence, we have food prices higher than they've been in a very long time. You add all of these things together, and I think it stands to reason we are dangerously close to kinetic civil war. Now, dangerous clo- dangerously close could still be five years. There's a, an article uh, in. Let me read the New York Times article because uh, Charles mentions a guy back during the Civil War. I think he does back during the Civil War, who he said was the uh, the godfather of the Civil War. But he died 11 years before it even happened. What you need to understand is there are many people who are choosing ideology over anything else. More importantly, they're choosing tribe over anything else. Now, many in our sphere of influence won't do that. And that's why I say it's actual reality. I got no problem saying Trump is an arrogant blowhard who pissed off a lot of people. And for that, he lost an election. I'm not going to simply adhere to any tribalist narrative. That's just my opinion. You know, it's individualist. And that's our sphere of influence tends to be more individualist versus the establishment collectivist. But still, when faced with the prospect of a woke cult like authoritarian regime, I think a lot of people will find themselves standing, standing shoulder to shoulder. Let me show you some of the data points and break down the argument from The New York Times on why they think a civil war is coming. And I have a lot of a lot to say on this matter. But I do want to shout out TimCast.com before we get started. Head over to TimCast.com, become a member to help support videos like this, support my work and support our journalists. We have a ton of journalists now working around the clock to produce articles, to fact check and just generally make sure you're informed to the best of our abilities. Yes, some of the articles are aggregation. Many of it is original reporting. We are funded just by your memberships. We, we do have ads on the site, but they're not a substantive part of what is funding this operation. It's you guys. If this is a service you want, you sign up to be a member, you get it. But we also have a ton of shows and you'll get access to members only segments from the Timcast IRL podcast. So with your support, we shall continue. But let's talk about the prospect of a civil war. The New York Times. Let me stress this. 
The New York Times on Sunday, which is like the big day, opinion, we are edging closer to civil war. Now, I want to make a few points before I jump into all of this. A lot of people on the left like to, you know, say Tim quote civil war pool and they say Tim saying civil war, blah, blah, blah. One of the biggest aspects of this, which I include in the title, is that the media, the left are now claiming absolute definitive proof of Trump's attempt at a full on military coup, a PowerPoint, a statement about the National Guard coming in to defend the Trump supporters staging the insurrection. I would like to stress to all the naysayers. When I was saying this years ago that I felt we were inching towards a civil war and may already be in one, we just haven't gotten to that point yet. A lot of people on the establishment left said, ha ha, so dumb, you're crazy. Well, that's because people have an optimism bias. It can't happen here. Everything's great. We're going to win, etc. Then on January 6, about a thousand or so individuals stormed the Capitol. I think about 800 actually went inside. And the left called that, I should say, you know, the, the entirety of it, leftists and um, uh, the establishment, they called it a coup or an insurrection. So if you're now telling me, NBC, that Trump was planning to stage a full-on military coup, if you have an article from Inquirer.com that says nothing is more important than Team Trump's January PowerPoint urging a full-blown coup, and you say the conspiracy is still happening, my friends, you agree with me. I don't care if your ideology is right or wrong. The point is, do you on the right and you on the left agree that we are closer to a civil war? I think most people would say yes. Maybe not. Maybe it's a plurality, not majority. But Charles M. Blow, who writes this article, he is not conservative. I agree with him a civil war is coming, and I disagree with him on his political stances. And for that, I agree with his overarching thesis. He writes, the Supreme Court on Friday issued a decision allowing abortion providers in Texas to continue challenging a new law that bans most abortion in the state after about six weeks of pregnancy. But while conservative, the conservative majority didn't close the door on abortion in Texas completely, the degree to which it is cracked allows in only a sliver of light. For now, the law in question, SB 8, remains in the books. Anyone who assists in providing an illegal abortion for, from the provider down to the person who gives a woman a ride to the clinic can be sued. Roe v. Wade has essentially been overturned in the state, and soon that astonishing reality may not only become permanent, but, there, but may also spread to other states. And I will also note, it was reported even by NBC, conservatives are signaling that come June of 2022, Roe v. Wade is done. And this just means states will decide whether or not abortion is legal or illegal. And I believe about 12 states, they have what's called trigger laws, which will instantly ban abortion. Could abortion be the issue similar to slavery? I think the answer is yes. But I think the left doesn't realize they stand on the losing edge of this. You see, let me, let, let me read for this. I want, I want, to, I want to explain to you, uh, and I'll give you some context. It will help. In 1837, this is from Charles. Good, good writing, by the way, Charles. I don't agree with you on a lot of politics, but you make some really great points. He writes, in 1837, Calhoun railed in a speech on the Senate floor that slavery had grown up with our society and institutions and is so interwoven with them that to destroy it would be to destroy us as a people. He continued, but let me not be understood as admitting, even by implication, that the existing relations between the two races and slaveholding states is evil. Far otherwise, he, uh, he's quoted as saying he believes it was good. As it has thus far proved itself to be both and will continue to prove, so if not disturbed by the fell spirit of abolition. Now, of course, this man is terribly wrong. But you see, the thing he's saying are what's important. I appeal to, the, to facts. 
he goes on. He, he basically goes on to say that he thinks the people who are taken from their homes and brought here and the people who knew who know no other world and were stripped of their history are better off for it. Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five star reviews on Trustpilot, Google and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process and life changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. Yeah, I, I take serious issue with the idea that you can force someone from their home and then just be like, well, you're better off. No, it's not your choice. See, this is a very similar argument we get from many of the left, uh, left today on a lot of issues. You're, it's better for you. It's better for you. It's for the greater good. You're better off because of what we're doing to you. To force me to undergo a medical procedure, to force me from my home, to force someone in Australia to a camp to quarantine because it's for the greater good and we'll all live better for it is wrong. Obviously not the same. I'm just saying it's wrong to force people to do things without due process due process being the law or the judicial system. But here's what I find fascinating about this quote. He says that, you know, these things are good and they're part of our system and our society and our culture and abortion is and has been for a long time. That's why it's been, you know, for a legal, it's been a legal issue. Interestingly, slavery was a part of human history and we know that's wrong today. I, I think, you know, as someone who grew up in an era without it, I have always felt it was wrong, especially reading the famous quotes from Frederick Douglass and the founding fathers. So, of course, abolition was the end of a moral injustice, the harming of other lives, the, the, the unethical, the evil nature of it. And people were willing to die to end it. But the people who were engaging in this practice just said it was a normal part of their lives and they weren't they weren't passionate about maintaining it. Some were. Now, we certainly have the, abor- the pro-abortion crowd, and I think for the most part, they're dispassionate. And that's not a good thing. What I mean is they are mindlessly just saying they support pro-abortion legislation because it's tribal. However, today there are abortion abolitionists who want to end what they see as extreme injustice. I live very close to the John Brown raid headquarters. I mean, very close. I, I, it takes me 10 minutes to get there if I take my bike. And it's amazing to see. John Brown. You know the story of John Brown? What did he, I, I, I'm not, I can't get into the specifics, you know, because I just read the thing there. I know a little bit. But uh, out here, you know, at the casino, for instance, they have a $25 chip with John Brown on it. The dude was an abolitionist. He raided an armory. He, I, I think him and a bunch of people got, I, I, I don't want to get into the, the, the complete history of John Brown because I, I can't tell it to you. You know, I'm not a historian or an expert on the history of, the John, of, of, of what he did. But what I can say is there were many people 
who were willing to die and take up arms to abolish what was seen by many in this country as popular, normal, and moral. And there were advocates for it. Now, it's hard to say. Everybody thinks they're on the right side of history. They're going to be like, you know, we're going to win this one, and then we'll say it was a good thing. But around the world, there was an awakening, an enlightenment. Slavery was wrong. It was always wrong. And now we know it. I mean, we've always known it. We grew up in a world where we understood the philosophy and the questions. Is the same true for abortion? I don't know. Now, he goes on to mention a lot of things, and he talks about his stance on slavery and states' rights was so severe, he has been called the father of secession and the man who started the Civil War, even though he died 11 years before the war commenced. Next year, if Roe v. Wade is overturned and states start banning abortion, will it play out very similarly? Will blue states threaten to secede from the union over this? What if a federal law gets passed? What if come 22, the Republicans take the House, pass legislation federally banning Think about this. 2022, June, Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade. 2022, November, we see a new red tsunami. January 3rd, the Republicans are are sworn in. And the first thing they do is a federal ban on abortion. The blue states revolt. They say no. John Podesta already, according to the Boston Globe, told the West Coast to secede from the union. The new uh, Joe Biden, who is in office, what's he going to do? It's 2022. These things take time. By 2024, let's say before there's any secession, by 2024, Donald Trump is running. He wins. And with a new Republican executive branch, Supreme Court, Senate and House, it is official. The ban gets signed. Biden's veto. I mean, I'll tell you this, depending on what happens with Congress, Joe Biden might actually, you know, try to veto the bill. And who knows? I'm not saying any of this will happen. I'm just saying. Could it play out this way? First, I'll say maybe not, because I don't think Republicans have the gall to actually do anything. Unless, of course, people actually challenge the establishment and get in populists. You might actually see this happen, which I got to admit that in that regard, I think would be a bad thing. We don't want the United States going into conflict. But, you know, based on Donald Trump alone, they were talking about secession. The Democrats were. We already have polling showing that the plurality, there's a plurality of certain political factions in each region who want secession. That's probably a poor way of explaining it. But in the West Coast, it's Democrats. In the South, it's Republicans. In the Midwest, it's independents. And there are large groups, about 37.2% of people in this country, I did the math, are in favor of their region breaking apart from the U.S. We stand on the edge of a precipice into looking over oblivion. Let me play for you this clip. This is Ray Dalio, who makes a very important point. You write something alarming in the book. You see a 30% chance that there could be what you call a civil war here sometime in the next decade. Is that a metaphor? Are you talking about actual conflict? What do you mean by civil war and, and how might that play out? What I mean by civil war is the not following the rules, the Constitution, the rules agreeing by those rules, and having a power conflict that can take its various forms. What history taught me is that when the causes that people are behind are more important to them than the system, the system is in jeopardy. And that's the most important point, because he's correct. Well, let me show you a little bit about what we're hearing. From NBC News, White House official allegedly said National Guard troops would protect Trump supporters January 6th 
Emails from former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows are among files released to support the House's panel recommendation that he be held in contempt. Mark Meadows, of course, is refusing to cooperate with the January 6th committee. Now, here, it could go either way. What do I mean by that? Well, as Ray said, when people's causes are more important than the system, your system is in jeopardy. Donald Trump, Peter Navarro, Steve Bannon, Mark Meadows, people uh, in at the time and formerly of the Trump administration believed that Trump had been, well, he had been, he had, the election was stolen, they say. And regardless of whether it's true or not, personally, I don't, I don't agree, but um, these people have a cause. And they said, at the very least, we got to get to the bottom of this. And what they were basically calling for was for Mike Pence to reject the official vote count from states where they were contesting. There were five, I believe, and and then put a hold on things. Maybe that would have meant Nancy Pelosi get, becomes president as Speaker of the House or the, the Senate pro uh, temp, uh, I believe, which would have been Chuck Grassley. Maybe it would have meant Donald Trump. Maybe who knows? Maybe we've gone to the Supreme Court. It would have been chaos. But I will tell you this. There are two problems. If it is true and there are anomalies to consider that there was some kind of fraud and personally, I, I don't believe it. Sorry, that's, that's not me. Um, and we can talk about that then it is incumbent upon, if there was something wrong, the administrations, the leaders, the political parties to challenge it in courts as they tried. Unfortunately, many of these lawsuits were kicked back, not because of the standing, not, not, not because of their merits, sorry, but because of standing. They said, you're too late. You don't have the right, etc. So these questions never got answered. The system did not adjudicate the problem. In fact, there was a point where 48 states were in a lawsuit over this. I believe it was Texas v. Michigan or something like that, where Texas basically said our rights are being infringed upon because Michigan's got voting problems. I think it was Michigan. I could be getting it wrong. But 48 states had signed on on one side or the other. And that, my friends, is a huge indicator. It's scary to think. Maybe you hate Donald Trump and you would say you lost fair and square. I'll tell you my opinion. As I told Steve Bannon live on Timcast IRL and behind the scenes previously, I know people who are not political who could not tell you what Supreme Court justice means. You could ask them, can you name a Supreme Court justice? And they would think you were talking about the results of a case. No, a Supreme Court justice, one of the individuals on the Supreme Court, they'd be like, oh, I don't know. These people voted. Enthusiastically, filming themselves doing it as they voted for Biden. One guy I know left the country afterwards. It was pop culture. It was mainstream. It was virtue signaling. I do believe that the Democrats played a better hand across the board, whatever you might think. And because people hated Trump and the media lined up against him, that influence uh, paid off, that people couldn't leave their homes and all they could watch on TV because there's no movies, no sports was just politics. Boy, did it activate a lot of people against Trump. That being said, the left views what Trump is doing as an illegitimate attempt to steal power. I genuinely believe, though, that Trump genuinely believes everything is true. I just think he's wrong. You know, uh, Steve Bannon is, is, is adamant, Alex Jones and Peter Navarro. I just think they're wrong. I think they see what they want to see. I think they have confirmation bias. I think they have some good political opinions, some bad ones, and I'm willing to hear what they have to say, and I'm willing to be wrong too. But I'm not willing to adhere to any tribe. That being said, both sides view what happened here as an extreme act against the system. And thus, the system is in jeopardy. Like the article I showed earlier from the Inquirer, nothing is more important than Team Trump's January PowerPoint urging a full-blown coup. They say the conspiracy is still happening. Now, this to me is worrying. And we have this. This is from just yesterday. 
Former Trump advisor Peter Navarro defies how subpoena in COVID-19 probe points to former president's claim of executive privilege. Once again, we are having more and more former Trump administration uh, officials. I think there's just a couple of them, to be honest, who are defying subpoenas, citing executive privilege. But a court has ruled against Trump already that executive privilege does not extend after you leave the presidency. And thus, it's up to Joe Biden. And Joe Biden wants to release this stuff. But are people going to sit back and just say, do whatever you want? No, they're not. Let's see how far things go. From the soapbox, newrepublic.com. Is criticizing Joe Biden a danger to democracy? Really? As concerns mount over the future of free and fair elections, the debate has broken out about whether the media must protect Biden to save the republic. Are you prepared? As Ray said, when people care more about their causes than the system, the system is in jeopardy. If the media, instead of trying to inform you, to give you the truth, to allow you to live a better life, are more concerned about what they think justice looks like, and they are, this is what you will get. The media shouldn't criticize Joe Biden because right now the republic needs a unified front against Trumpism and Trump's conspiracies. So where does this bring us? It brings us to ever escalating conflict. And I'll tell you, it got really close to home. This is a video from Andy No. Well, actually, it's a video from it's made its rounds. I don't know where the original source is, and I apologize for that. But Andy No tweeted this video from the Daily Sneed, who retweeted it from somebody else. Andy says, Violence broke out on Saturday night as a group of Antifa militants in black uniforms showed up at the home of Alderman Kelly Russell in Frederick, Maryland. They gathered there to try and intimidate her into defunding the police. Frederick is about 10 or 15 minutes away from me. Now, look, I've lived in cities where Antifa has acted a fool before, and I left because I don't want to be around places where Antifa acts a fool. Being uh, I, I live in West Virginia. We're setting up an, our new main corporate headquarters on 50 acres in West Virginia, but we have our, our Maryland production facility. We're about, I don't know, like eight miles away from Frederick, Maryland. To hear that this stuff is starting to go on out here, and I mean, some of it has before, but to see it again, you know, it, it's close to home. These are people going to residential neighborhoods and targeting people, screaming at them and yelling things that are just meaningless and make no sense. The escalation is absolutely upon us. I think Ray is correct. I think Charles is correct. I think I was correct years ago when I read security uh, security company analysis saying the same thing. 30 to 90 percent chance a civil war happens in the United States. It won't look like you think it'll look. It's not going to be the same thing we saw last time. Who knows? It's going to be urban versus rural, which is more akin to how Civil wars work throughout almost every other country. The United States was unique in that their civil war was a breakup of the states. There's more to consider. David Frum makes a perfect uh, Twitter thread about how this country will be torn to shreds. He tweets, the great British PM, the Marquis of Salisbury, warned, if you believe the doctors, nothing is wholesome. If you believe the theologians, nothing is innocent. If you believe the military, nothing is safe. At some point, it's the job of politicians to, to decide we're safe enough. To follow Hotline Josh's point, unless the U.S. moves to vastly stricter vaccine mandates, which I would favor, but which is plainly not going to happen, the U.S. still uh, st- will stall at present vaccination levels. He says, it seems the best option is keep encouraging vaccines and boosters, impose vaccine mandates where it can be done. Otherwise, return to normal as fully as we can, especially the schools, and let hospitals quietly triage emergency care to serve the unvaccinated last. This is a really good example of how the country gets torn to shreds, that there are people who can't undergo vaccination or personally just don't want to for a variety of reasons, and that they would be they would be discriminated against based on this. 
I mean, I, I, I reference Pete Parada quite often as an example of this. The former drummer of The Offspring, who, because of his Guillain-Barre syndrome, is unable to get the vaccine, was kicked out of the band. He lost his job after 14 years. This is untenable. We can't have a society that does this. But my friends, let's not even bother with the stupid politics, because politics matters so very little to most people. And that's that's true. It's another morning, and you're all set for work. You grab your coffee, head out the door, and your car decides today's the day it won't start. Panic sets in. You're not just late, you're stranded. Get ahead of unexpected car repairs before they strike with CarShield, the most trusted vehicle protection company. For almost 20 years, CarShield has saved millions of drivers from repair nightmares with low monthly plans that cover up to 5,000 major parts and systems, like pricey transmission and engine repairs and check engine light mysteries. Visit CarShield today at carshield.com carlson. Plans include unlimited miles, 24-7 roadside assistance, help with flats, lockouts, and rental car options. Save 20% and get a free quote by visiting CarShield online at carshield.com slash carlson. Don't wait for the next surprise. Choose peace of mind with CarShield. Go to carshield.com slash carlson and save 20% today. Causes. I certainly think Ray is correct. I think Charles is correct. And I think abolition of abortion may be a prime catalyst for the conflict come June 2022. Who will win? I don't know. I'm not convinced that the pro-abortion crowd has the zealotry amongst their ranks to to do anything about this. I don't think they care that much. I think the people who care, uh, who are pro-life, have an, a, a moral, a strong moral position on this. But what will that mean? I, I honestly don't believe that you will see pro-choicers, and I think uh, it's not the right word, pro-abortion, storming into red states to open abortion clinics. But you probably will see pro-lifers storming into blue states to shut them down. If you're on the left, you can by all means say that's wrong. Absolutely. I don't like violence. I don't, I don't, I don't like that at all. I don't like abortion, but I don't like the government's involvement. And that's a very difficult position to be involved in. But you, but you have to wonder about, I mean, the, 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 there's, there's, there's struggles here and there's parallels to the, to, the, to the last civil war. When people talk about slavery as a catalyst for the civil war, they're correct. States' rights close second. But the core catalyst was slavery, a slave state, abolition, abolitionists, you know, attacking and raiding. But the reality is there were other deep seated issues in this country that was dividing the states. In fact, I believe it was Texas that basically said the reason they joined the South, the Confederacy was because of geography. It wasn't just any one thing, but it was mostly slavery. That is to say, as we march towards June 2022, which for all we know, they won't overturn Roe v. Wade and the left is exaggerating or freaking out. As we get closer there, we need to consider all the other issues that are at play. And tribalism plays a very important role. But there's one issue that you need to understand precipitates conflict, revolution, and civil war. And it's this from CNN. Food is more expensive than it has been in decades. If you've listened to me, you've heard me say it. If you've studied up on the Arab Spring, you'd have heard them say it. I'd like to take you back in time to, I believe it was 2011. And we're in Tunisia. I believe it was, what was the guy's name? I can't remember his name. It might have been Mohamed Naboos. I could be getting that one wrong. That might have been a live streaming guy. But there was a man who was trying to sell fruit from his fruit cart, struggling to get by. And the police, they just kept shaking him down and finding him and taking his fruit. And he could not survive. 
He didn't have the money to eat. What was he supposed to do? You wouldn't let him just live. So he immolated himself. Powerful protest statement. If I cannot live, then so be it. And this sparked the Arab Spring. First, the uprising in Tunisia, and it spread as more people said enough. But upon analysis, there have been many experts who said the catalyst for this was the rising food prices. If people can't eat, people get mad. But it makes sense, right? You ever see those cute videos where there's like a lion next to a rabbit and the lion doesn't bother the rabbit because the lion is fat and happy. You see animals in captivity. If they're fed consistently, they don't want to fight anyone. And that's true in nature as well. When it comes to fighting, all animals avoid it because fighting has, has it's, it's just natural selection. Animals that engaged in instigated fights were more likely to take damage and then more likely to die. So those that survived were the ones that were only willing to fight when absolutely necessary. And that means today, animals that are well fed consistently are not going to bother attacking or hurting anybody for the most part. They can still be aggressive. It's still there. Lions are still dangerous. Don't go near them. And so are bears. But you'd be surprised to see a predator animal and you're like, why isn't it killing that chicken? And it's like, well, it doesn't need to. That being said, you know, cats like to kill for fun. But my point is, for humans, when we are fat and happy, we have no reason for conflict. We are well fed. But as food prices start increasing and it's becoming harder and harder for people to get by and people are refusing these garbage wages, I tell you this, eventually someone's going to say, I can't feed my children anymore. That's the warning I gave everybody. They told me, Tim, I can't speak up because I must feed my kids. And you've heard me complain about that quite a bit. But think about where this leads us. Someone unwilling to speak up today out of fear their kids won't be fed. What do you think this person will do when they're fed when when they're fed when their kid can't be fed? Then you will be dealing with parents who will say, I will do anything. To save my children. And if their kids are in jeopardy and they're not today, for the most part, there are in many ways, but not starving, then you will see people do crazy things now. Food prices being high does not mean that this is all going to happen right now. Because expensive food, Americans are still overweight. So we're a long way from that being a a big issue. But it is expanding. Look at this from the Daily Mail. Toss away your money. Bloomberg is mercilessly mocked for advising Americans to spend their paycheck immediately and borrow lots of money as a way to cope with inflation. It's getting bad out there. People aren't going to be able to own homes. They're going to get evicted. And they're going to demand revolution. And there's going to be a socialist faction. And the capitalist libertarian faction is going to say no. And people are going to fight. Quote, Biden gave out way too much free money and nobody wants to work anymore. Arkansas IHOP posts message blaming the president. Here we go. Philadelphia Popeyes posts no homeless sign banning them from the store. Why? Because there's more and more homeless everywhere. It's all escalating, isn't it? No, I don't know when. But I'm bullish. Not that's a. It doesn't mean I'm happy, right? Bullish doesn't mean I. I want something to happen. I don't want it to happen. I'd love nothing more. You know what? Let me tell you this, guys. Guys, they're open the. They're opening the bar stool sports sports book restaurant and sport betting arena, whatever, at the local casino. It is amazing looking. I'm looking at. I see the beer on tap, and I'm like, let me tell you this. It is going. I, I'm. I next weekend. I'm gonna go to the casino. I'm gonna sit down. We're going to, you know, have the game on. 
We're going to get some wings. I don't really drink, but boy, I am going to get a yingling. I am going to sit there and enjoy some garlic Parmesan wings, watching the game, watching everybody cheer as they make their bets and have a good time with my friends, making memories. And I'll tell you this, I'm going to, I'm going to brag right now. You ready to blow, want me to blow your mind? I'll tell you what matters. After the show on Friday night, we like to go hang out for about an hour or so at the casino and just play a couple hundred bucks. You know, everybody just has a good time. You get a drink, you play some, they have like $15 blackjack and it's fun. It's fun because you set aside a budget for just playing. We don't go every Friday. We maybe go like once or twice a month. And we go there just because it's, it's, it's a big space, a lot of people, everyone's having a good time. Not everybody, but you know, we, we, we enjoy it. It's a big place to be. There's horse races. You get to watch the horses. It's so much fun. And you know, this past Friday, I hit quads. You know what that means? I got four of a kind in a table game and everyone's cheering. And then this like pit boss just comes up on it. Like I'm waiting. I'm like, are you going to pay me out? What's going on? It's a big payout, by the way. And they're like, we got to wait. We're checking. Everyone's there in silence. The table is shut down. People are standing all around. And then the boss walks over to me. He's got this look on his face. And then he holds out his fist. We fist bump. And everyone's like, oh, yeah. And then I, I gave everybody a piece of the table because I'm a commie. You know, I just gave everybody a little bit. The reason I bring that up is because we had fun. We had a good time. We had a memory we will never forget. And boy, I won't. I would not shut up about hitting quads. Four of a kind, man. 40 to one on a table game. That's a big payout. And we all celebrated. Everybody had a good time. And we were like, I can't believe it. It's magic. It's just so much fun to be here. And the way it works is when you play these games, when you play with only a couple hundred bucks, you, you, I'll, I'll give you advice. You never go there to win money. That's, that's a ridiculous bet because the house always wins. You go there to be with your friends. You go there to have games to play where it feels like the stakes matter, but they really don't. If you're somebody who's got a gambling addiction, it's not for you. Don't play this stuff. If you're somebody who's recovering from addiction, do not go near this stuff. But if you're somebody who's looking for a game to play with your friends, you know, I make a bet. You know, I get like a, I'm playing blackjack. I get a four and a, and a jack. And I'm like, oh, geez. And the dealer's showing an eight. That's a bad hand, by the way. And then my friend next to me will get like a blackjack. And we're like, yay. And we all cheer. We just want to have fun. We want to forget about everything and relax. And it feels good. I bring this up to say this. That's what I want. I don't want conflict. I don't want crisis. I don't want fighting. I don't want looting. I don't want danger, disaster, and tribalism. I want the tribalism to be sports. And it's funny because when I was a kid, I felt the opposite. I was like, it's so dumb that people care more about sports than politics. Now I'm older and I'm like, now I understand why sports was a better tribalist uh, issue. I want to go to the game and see the people like, you know, I was playing blackjack and one of the dealers was wearing a Bears jersey and one of the guys sitting at the table was wearing a Packers jersey. And he was like, I'm not playing. Or some, a guy walks over and he goes, that, that table was bad. I was getting eaten alive. And he goes, yeah, well, what do you expect? It's a Bears fan. And everybody laughs. It was silly tribalism. It wasn't the end of the world. The tribalism, tribalism we're getting now is like dire stakes apocalypse stuff that people are going to kill over. And that's scary to me. I would like everything to just be peaceful and prosperous and happy. I like the idea that we can go out with our friends. And I'll say this. They're opening this new restaurant and it looks so cool. That's what I want. I want to be able to talk about things that matter in a calm, reasonable, calm, reasonable way, but with passion and say these changes should be made for the betterment of, you know, our, our culture, our society and our world. You know, humanity should come together, world peace, all that good stuff. Instead, we have people who are more interested in screaming at each other because they're tribalists and they'll want to fight over it. But then there are strong moral issues like abortion, which could come up as well. I think it's 
a pipe dream to believe we can all just have a good time at the bar, the casino and betting on horses or whatever. Because, you know, again, you keep it low stakes. Don't get carried away with this stuff. You just put a couple bucks down. Betting on horses, we bet, we bet like $2 because it's fun. You put some stakes in it, two bucks, and then your horse comes up and you win a 10 bucks, 10 bucks, and then you get to buy, you get to buy the snacks, you get to buy the nachos. But it's naive to think that, you know, that that could be life forever. The, the natural state of this world is conflict. And we've been, this, this generation that we've been in has been a golden age. We have lived better than our parents did as much as millennials don't want to accept it. We have, there's been no war or conflict. I mean, there has been, I get it, Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, et cetera. But not like we've been drafted and forced to go fight. These are garbage wars of oil expansion and influence for, you know, the, the neocons and the neolibs. We weren't forced to fight in World War I, World War II, Korea, Vietnam. A lot of people were. Now, in this generation, we've become obese. We've just sit around and it's been nothing but gluttony. And the things I describe as just wanting those things, that's the golden age. And we're falling out of it. The United States has been at war for almost its entire existence, only a few years not at war. That's the natural state of things. And it's scary that's the case, and we want that not to be the case. But that's where we're drifting. I would encourage everybody to get out more often. The left, these, these establishment people like to say that, you know, I, I live in this bubble world. And it's like, no, you don't understand. We go out and we try to get out of it as much as possible, and we do. But when we talk about these things, you need to understand it's coming from a middle of the road kind of regular perspective. We're not Q Trump supporting conspiracy people. We're certainly not establishment cultists. You know, Tim Cast IRL is an eclectic bunch, not a group of hardcore conservatives, some conservatives, some libertarians, some weirdos, you know, Ian, whatever he is. And then me, center left libertarian, but we believe in reality. I think we are inching towards that conflict because people want it. I don't know what else to expect, but I know that we should be prepared for the worst, but hope for the best. Maybe these men are right. Maybe I'm right. Maybe we're all wrong. We'll talk more about it later tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast IRL. So come, come hang out. And thanks for hanging out now. We'll see you all then. Again, youtube.com slash timcast IRL will be live at 8 p.m. And we'll see you there. Mass looting events are becoming widespread. I don't want to act like it's every other day or every day, but we're seeing more and more stories pop up in the news about raids on stores where large groups of people run into a store, take whatever they want and leave. And I've talked about how I knew kids who used to do this back in the day in Chicago. They would raid. So they call it 7-Eleven. You get 50 kids after school. They all run at the same time, grab whatever they want, run out. Nobody gets caught. Well, now the CEOs of Target, Best Buy, CVS and other retail chains are asking Congress for help amid the crime surge. That's a bold ask, considering that Congress is rather divided and probably can't get anything done. But we'll take a look at exactly what kind of help they're asking for, how much you want to bet it's a dumb bailout or something. But I, I had an idea just, you know, sitting here and, and reading the story and about the things that the CEOs of these companies had said in the past. And I was just wondering, um, have you considered asking, I don't know, maybe the police to help keep your stores safe? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, what was that? You, the CEOs and these companies took the side of the rioters during the riots. And now you think I'll care that you're upset. First of all, your big box stores I don't really care about in the first place. I can appreciate the convenience of a CVS, Target or Best Buy and other retail chains. But I'm more worried about the mom and pop shops. See, last year during the COVID lockdowns and the smash and grabs and the ones that are happening today, uh, it was the mom and pop shops that were completely destroyed. 
When someone throws a brick through the window and then steals everything, mom and pop shops struggle to reopen and Target is a massive multinational billion dollar corporation. Well, I think they're multinational, although I do think it's funny that I'm pretty sure in Australia there's an identical Target corporation, but it's not even the same company. It's just not related. Just someone was like, hey, let's just steal their business model and do it here. And they can't do anything about it. Different country, right? So these companies, and I'll show you the proof, put out these statements saying like, oh, we support Black Lives Matter as they went around smashing and destroying cities. You see, these big box stores loved it when it was your store being destroyed. They loved it when it was the mom and pop shop being permanently put out of business by a Molotov cocktail because it meant their market share was going to go up a lot. It meant they could absorb the damage. When Target was being raided in Minneapolis, they were like, well, you know, we're mourning because they know they can pay for it. Well, now that their competition, the little guy, has been right, uh, has been dutifully crushed by the extremists, uh, Antifa and Black Lives Matter, they're uh, now uh, happy that uh, they've, they've taken that market share. But now they must defend it in the best way crony capitalist systems do by calling on government eh, I don't know what you call it. It's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a weird government capitalist kind of like a fascism. Hey, it's fascism. The lucrative merger between corporation and state. Now the big multi, or I shouldn't say multinational necessarily, but the big, you know, billion dollar box stores can go to the government and say, look, it was fun when they were crushing the little guy, but now they're hurting us. Can we get some assistance here? Wait till I show you uh, the, the, the previous reporting, what, what, what they were saying. But uh, let's talk about what's going on here from CNN. They report the CEOs of Target, Best Buy, Nordstrom, Home Depot, CVS are among a group of 20 retail leaders who sent a letter Thursday to Congress expressing their concern over a recent wave of brazen store robberies in major U.S. cities and urged lawmakers to take action. The group called on Congress to pass legislation that would deter criminals from being able to easily resell stolen merchandise, specifically online. Quote, as millions of Americans have undoubtedly seen on the news in recent weeks and months, retail establishments of all kinds have seen a significant uptick in organized crime in communities across the nation, said the letter. Criminals are capitalizing on the anonymity of the Internet and the failure of certain marketplaces to verify their sellers. As a result, retailers are a target for increasing theft. In the current environment, criminal networks are unscrupulous and unscrupulous businesses have exploited a system that protects their anonymity to sell unsafe, stolen or counterfeit products with little legal recourse. The RILA letter added, which is also signed by Dollar General, Levi Strauss, Kroger and Foot Locker. The group urged Congress to pass a bill that would make it easier for consumers to identify exactly who they are buying from and harder for criminals to hide behind fake identities as they try to sell stolen merchandise online. That's really interesting. You know what this would further do? Well, let me just explain for you the evil of these people. As the rioters were destroying the brick and mortar mom and pop shops and the, and the, and the big box stores were um, effectively the only places people could go and they benefited from it. You know, these companies probably realized, but how do you ransack, riot and destroy online businesses? I got an idea. Let's use our weight as billion-dollar corporations to pressure the government into issuing hard restrictions on online sellers. That way, not only can we destroy your mom-and-pop shop, we can destroy your online mom-and-pop shop as well. Now, some of this is not all bad. I'm not going to just scream and rant and say, oh, it's the end of the world or whatever. 
there is absolutely some benefit to, you know, laws protecting people from garbage sellers. How many times have people tried going online to buy something only, only to get scammed? How many times have there's one scam I really love? They'll be like, I'm selling a couch. Just, you know, send me half the money and then I'll come and deliver it. And then what happens is there'll be like a picture of a couch and then someone will get a little model replica couch and be like, I never said it was full size. And then they say, buyer beware, you know, caveat emptor. Well, I do think there's some benefits to dealing with online scamming, especially because there are people who are very hard to trace. But let's be real. I think the bigger play here is big box stores sell online. They don't want competition. It's not about looting or anything like that. Look at this. Here we go. NBC Bay Area, May 30th, target CEO on nationwide protests. We are a community in pain as they burned things to the ground. That was their response. Among the unrest across the country this week over the disturbing video of George Floyd, George Floyd incident, they say, uh, you know, the CEO, target CEO Brian Cornell wrote a memo. We're a community in pain. The pain is not unique to the Twin Cities. It extends across America. The murder of George Floyd has unleashed pent up pain of years as, as have the killings of Ahmed Arbery and Brenna Taylor. We say their names and hold a too long list of others in our hearts. You want to say uh, 200 displaced team members at the Lake Street store in Minneapolis and employees and other target stores that were damaged will receive their full pay and benefits in the coming weeks. He also vows to rebuild and bring back the store. Target will remain a do- uh, will, will, target will be taking donations to affected communities for the areas of heaviest damage. Okay, here's here's what you could do. Here, hold on, just look, let me I'll pitch this idea to you guys. When they loot and destroy your store, you come out and say, "Of course, we're not happy with police brutality, but the looters and the rioters who attacked our store are criminals, and we need the support of the police to prevent this from happening again." But you see, Target, as I stated, these companies come on. How much you want to bet? There's this meeting, right? Target CEO and the board of directors, they all sit down and they're like, okay, how much damage have we incurred from the looting and ransacking at our our target locations? And they're like, well, we had about $40,000 to $50,000 in merchandise destroyed. And then with the exterior damage, we're looking at another $100,000 in damage. And they go, okay. And that affects our bottom line. How um, honestly, it's a rounding error for us. You know, last year we pulled in X billion dollars and, you know, 150K for the store. We're going to have to replace it. But um, for the store, it, it, it is a decent hit, but it's a small percentage that uh, I think we can absorb, especially considering the value we're going to get by the fact that all of our competition has just been wiped out. And they went, really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. So so, so how's our competition doing uh, near the Lake Street store? I got to say, all the mom and pop shops were completely obliterated, will never reopen. So we may be at $150,000, but marketing, hey man, you can't buy marketing that good. You cannot buy market dominance for that rate. Totally worth it. And then you get some guy being like, so uh, let me get this straight. For the cost of 150 to 200K in damages, we have effectively bought the complete obliteration of all of our competition in the area. That's right. Hot dog. Now, I'm not saying I know for sure or that literally every single store was destroyed, but come on, think about it. If you went, look at this, Best Buy to spend $1.2 billion with diverse businesses by 2025, June 24th. And of course, they're going to talk about George Floyd. We are just getting started. Okay. I saw the videos of people looting and ransacking all these big stores. I think, I think there's a video of a Best Buy getting you know broken into. They shoved the door down or something, like smashed the door. I'm willing to bet 
you go to one of these unscrupulous, you know, high ranking, you know, VPs, seniors, members of the uh, board members and CEOs or whatever, and say, if you could legally for $200,000 shut out all market competition in your area, would you spend it? They'd be like, yes. Okay, here's another question. If you could get all of your online you know, competition removed, would you do it? Uh, yeah, how? All you got, this one's easy, right? The rioting is like, well, you can't make people right, but when they do, you can make it worse. You can cheer for it. And now they're asking for, asking Congress to intervene and do the next, take the next step against online businesses. But see, this is the easy one. Now they're like, hey, everybody, you see how well it worked out for us that the rioters destroyed our competition? Can we do that online? Yes, we need a bill passed. So here comes the lobbying. Here we go. Roving band breaks into Seattle businesses, setting fires and looting. This is what I love the most, right? And I mean that sarcastically. This, this famous photo from, uh, what is this from? This is from July 23rd. The big ol', I think it's a Whole Foods, racism has no place here. We support the black community. And all the windows are smashed out. You know, part of me is um, pretty sure the black community isn't going around and doing this. I mean, I'm be, I, that was meant to be somewhat of a joke. I mean, I'm literally positive because I know it is not the black community going around smashing up and destroying everything. It is, I believe, around half white Antifa progressive types. At least that's what we've seen from some of the data of the, the makeup of these protests. And then the rest is, you know, varying groups of uh, racial minorities. But for the most part, it is still overwhelmingly white. And that makes sense because the country is overwhelmingly white. So what do you get? An eclectic group that is mostly white going around smashing up businesses that are desperately trying to say they support your cause. Well, you reap what you sow, reaping meat sowing. Here's from The Hill. Best Buy CEO says rising thefts are traumatic for employees. Oh, November 23rd. Maybe when um, all of this was going down and the uh, looting and rioting and smashing and grabbing was happening, you could have, I don't know, defended the police. And you can point out, look, there's no harm in saying that there's a police brutality problem. Um, I'm not trying to pretend like it's the apocalypse. I'm saying there's a problem in that it exists and we don't want it to exist. However, the scale of the problem is, is, is the question. And out of 375 million police interactions, I believe it was like 2019, this metric was, there were like a, a, a 20 you know, people, unarmed black men who were killed and like 13 or something of them were shot. So while there are certainly issues, there's a problem that police brutality exists. The question is, does it scale up to the point where we have to take action and shut things down? And is this just the margin of error that we have to accept? And you're going to get these bad stories. I honestly don't know. What I can say is rioting is exacerbated by companies like Best Buy and Target and CVS and all these other, you know, uh, corporations that were trying to play woke. And you know why? I'll tell you the real reason. I certainly think smashing out their competition was a huge benefit for them because they can eat the costs. And I also think they're just cowards. Look at how they put that photo up that said racism has no place here. Oh, please. We know why you're doing that. You're doing it because you're, ho you're crossing your fingers. Don't smash your windows out. And then we see these other stores. And this is what really pisses me off. There's like a storefront. These photos go viral where it's like, I'm a single mother trying to raise my kids. Please spare my store. 
There was when I was in Oakland years ago, there was a Burger King, a big sign saying we are a we are a, a single family. Owned, we are a family owned uh, franchise, not a corporate location. Please don't break our windows. Who wants to live under that boot? If you do not speak up now, then you do. That's it. To all the people who are like, but I have to make sure my kids have food and I speak up. Okay, fine. Then they'll smash out your windows. They'll drag your kids from your home or whatever. Your kids will grow up in a world not knowing prosperity, not knowing life or liberty. And you'll say, well, at least they got a few years out of it. You know, because the funny thing is when people are like, my kids need food. And if I speak up, you know, and I can't, I won't be able to provide for them. And it's like, Yo, in 20 years, your kids aren't going to they're, they're going to lose their pursuit of happiness. That's happening now. They're, they're losing their liberty. But worst of all, they're going to lose their lives. OK, whether figuratively or literally life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. So I'll tell you this. You think that you can chop down the tree whose shade you sat beneath in the hopes that at least your kid will get to have some of that tree for now. The saying goes, a society grows great when, I'll, I'll, I'll make it politically correct, when people plant trees whose shade they know they shall never sit beneath. You plant a tree, what does it do for you? But you know that in 50 years, there's going to be someone leaning up against that tree and they're going to have beautiful shade and maybe even an apple will fall down into their hand and they'll get to eat it. And I thought about this, um, I, I've told you this story when I was crossing the Williamsburg Bridge in New York one day, just like, man, this massive bridge is just here. This incredible construct that probably cost a billion dollars or who knows. I, I mean, I shouldn't say who knows because they literally know what the cost was. And you can adjust it for inflation, but a massive expenditure of hundreds of millions of dollars. I, I paid nothing for it. Just one day I shut up. Bridge is there. That is the tree. But I'll, I'll tell you this. The people who built that knew they'd literally be able to cross it within the few years it took to build it. So they were like, let's build this and use it. That sounds great. But now what's happening is you have too many people, these, uh, these CEOs, these corporations, because they're not, they're not people in the literal sense. They don't care. And you have many individuals who are like, look, I know things are bad, but let me chop the tree down for the sake of my child today. It's like, okay, that, that whole uh, thing, you know, your kids are going to be, are, they're going to grow up. They're going to have, they're going to have some, the, whatever apples were left on that tree. You're going to use whatever wood of it you can to, uh, you know, sit in a chair. And then they're going to inherit an earth that has a, has a barren wasteland. And they'll be in the gulag going like, you know, they're going to be in their 30s with no teeth and extremely gaunt looking like they're 50 going like, I remember when I was a kid and I ate an apple lunch. I love it too, because all the climate change people are going to be like, that's the perfect analogy for climate change. Yes, it is quite literally. Are you going to plant the tree whose shade you know you shall never sit beneath so that our society, our world can grow great? Or will you stand back saying, look, there's something here for me now and I will gut the system and watch it burn if it means that for the next couple of months my kid has food? Well, now I got bad news for you because food prices are through the roof higher than they've been in a really long time. So here we go. You see these companies, these companies' interests are not for uh, the greater good. You know, and it's funny too, because you, 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 this is the, the government tries to claim you got to do everything, you got to sacrifice everything, and it's all for the community and all the people are like, vax mandates are for the greater good and all that stuff. And I'm just like, I'll tell you this. The greater good is decentralization. 
The greater good is prosperity, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Because all of that has led to tremendous prosperity and technological solutions to our problems. Elon Musk recently came out and said, you got to have more kids or civilization will collapse. It's because you need people to do things. The level of technology we have is dependent upon a lot of the population. The more people you have, the more specialties exist, the more things, the more complex things you can make and the more comfortable we uh, comfortably we live. But there is like a cutoff point where you have too many people who do literally nothing. And that's a big challenge. But we we I mean, how to solve for that problem, I think, is through education and uh, building culture and things like that. Elon Musk, he wants us all to have children. And if we don't, what I think will happen is uh, I'll throw it to that story I've been telling on Timcast IRL. The guy who did the TED talk about how he tried to make his own toaster and he literally could not make plastic. He was able to make a toaster work for about 20 seconds. He was like, hey, look, this toaster costs 10 bucks or 20 bucks, right? So how do I, if I was going to make it myself, it was impossible. And it cost him, I think, thousands of dollars to try to make a toaster. This entire machine that we have built is propped up by individual specialties. And there are things that no one person can do. Making plastic? One person can't do that. I'll tell you this. One person can grow wheat. One person can mill the wheat. One person can add the ingredients, you know, raise the chickens and make a loaf of bread. One person can do all of that. One person cannot make plastic. It's impossible. Mostly impossible. But what I should say is one person could do it maybe over like 10 years or something because you got to get, I think, you know, the, 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 the crude oil. You got to get, get it refined. You've got to, I don't even know. I got to be honest. I don't even know how they make plastic. So, you know, petrochemical basically. Um, so good luck, I suppose. One person could find ore and smelt it and make a sword or something. Plastics, though. Plastics are lightweight. They're strong. This is where we are. I, I, I should get back to the, uh, the issue at hand. We'll go back to the main story and, and not derail on this and just point this out from the Daily Mail. Should we call it undocumented shopping then? Woke criminal experts tell public not to call California crime wave looting because it's racist. I think much of what we're seeing from these big corporations, and I think you would agree, is just gutting the system to strip away wealth and resources. And I'll tell you what's going to happen. People like Bezos, the CEOs of these companies, they're mega yachts. They thought that, you know, they've got their St. Kitts and Nevis, you know, offshore accounts or whatever. If you're not familiar, St. Kitts and Nevis is an island in the uh, Caribbean. I think it's I think it's in the, it's in the Caribbean. Pretty sure. And uh, or maybe I guess technically it's like further south or whatever, but it's where rich people go and they buy citizenship. The passports are good. Most places. There's a bunch of islands like that. Remember the Panama Papers? You know, these people have stored their money. There's even the old trope about the Swiss bank account. We know we get it. They are gutting our country. They are gutting our community. They are destroying everything, cheering for the destruction, funding the destruction, laughing about it, and then skipping off to other countries to do the same. They're effectively barbarians gutting and destroying, raping and pillaging. We're getting ripped off. So the problem is there's no real difference between the massive multinational billion dollar corporations and the government. And the government has a monopoly on violence, but the big corporations have powerful private security forces that can, to a certain degree, do what they want. So what do you do? How do you solve for the massive centralization of power in this country and the world? Well, I don't have all the answers, but I will tell you this. We mock them. That seems to help. But we also vote locally. We have to vote in the primaries and, you know, vote in your state races. So it's 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 city, it's county, it's state, city, 
You got to vote in all those things, then federal. And you've got to primary the establishment. I don't care if they're Democrats or Republicans, primary all of them. You know, it'd be great. Some like center left populist Democrats running to compete against the far left, compete against the establishment, win, and then create a more rational and coherent unified. Uh, uh, I, I shouldn't say unified. We want to, you know, we want more than two parties, to be honest. But if we could get rid of the, the crazies and the Democrats and the neocons and just bring in a bunch of like, hey, you know, regular person here and the Democrats are, too, you know, either too far left or too corporatist, here's an alternative. That's the kind of person you got to get in. But here's the problem. So long as the establishment controls both parties, we're dealing with a big wave of trash. Should the Republicans win Congress? What are they going to do? You know, Matt Gates comes out and he's like, we're going to remember everything. And I'm like, yeah, dude. Well, if people don't primary the establishment, boring, pathetic losers in the Republican Party, it'll all be, it'll all be for nothing. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out. We'll see you all then. We are witnessing the fall of cable TV news. Chris Cuomo fired because he was colluding with his brother, the Democratic governor, to help out his campaign, a major conflict of interest. Don Lemon has been accused of something similar when Jesse Smollett on the stand said that Don Lemon was advising him, giving him private information, using CNN's resources effectively to help him out. He's also been accused of assault. The story is pretty dark. CNN producer accused of coaxing parents, underage girls, into um, extreme, disturbing adult activities. It's from NBC News. John Griffin was charged with three counts of using a facility to, of interstate commerce to lure minors and their mothers to his Vermont home. Some have argued this is a CNN producer engaging in child trafficking. I'm trying to keep this one a little bit family friendly. So, you know, bear with me. This man in in, in question apparently worked shoulder to shoulder with Chris Cuomo. We got problems. We got very serious problems. There was a story recently about a CIA. I believe it was a CIA analyst who was engaging in um, attempted trafficking. We'll call it that. We'll just call it that child abuse. And apparently the CIA said, we're not going to, you know, we don't want to get this guy prosecuted because it could expose state secrets. And so you have people who genuinely believe there is a conspiracy among, let's just call it child abusers, to put it lightly when we shouldn't, we should, we should say uh, the committers of child, uh, uh, com- the committers of atrocities against children. And you're, we're told over and over again by the media that it's uh, by many in the media that it's conspiracy. It's not true. Epstein was true. The Maxwell trial's ongoing. Not that anybody really thinks it's a, it's a real trial. But the stories about Epstein we knew. They didn't prosecute him. They slapped him on the wrist. They covered it up. New photos show Epstein at Queen Elizabeth's cabin, cottage, whatever. So I'm not going to sit here and pretend that all of this means that there is a coordinated cabal of people smuggling children and doing horrible things. I wouldn't go that far. I would simply say, More and more we are hearing that there are people in very serious positions of power who are friends with some of the most powerful, and they are abusers. An abuser is, let's just say, monster, something way worse. How long did the machine protect Harvey Weinstein? Weinstein? Whatever. NBC News reports, CNN producer John Griffin 
was arrested by the FBI on Friday after a federal grand jury charged him with enticing minors to engage in unlawful adult activity at his Vermont property. Griffin, 44, of Stamford, Connecticut, was charged with three counts of using a facility of interstate commerce to lure minors and people claiming to be their parents to train them to be <clears throat> subservient. Let's put it that way. That's what they say. It's, uh, well, you know what? Here we go. This is, is we're, we're, we're going to just, just spoiler alert for anybody who might have kids around, you know, this may not be something they want to hear about, but this is, this is very important. He was training them, as he stated, to be sexually subservient. Court documents did not list an attorney for Griffin, who has worked at CNN for about eight years, according to a story posted by the network. Quote, the charges against Mr. Griffin are, de- Griffin are deeply disturbing. We only learned of his arrest yesterday afternoon and have suspended him pending an investigation. According to his LinkedIn profile, Griffin said he worked shoulder to shoulder with ex-CNN anchor Chris Cuomo, who was fired earlier this month. And this we, we understand. And uh, he was helping his brother defend himself against harassment allegations. I mean, this stuff, it all comes full circle, doesn't it? Griffin used messaging apps Kick and Google Hangouts to communicate with parents of underage girls and convince them to allow him to train their daughters to be subservient to men because they are, quote, inferior, the federal indictment said. He believed that a woman is a woman regardless of her age, officials claim. This is sickening stuff. This is a CNN producer of eight years, shoulder to shoulder with Chris Cuomo. In June 2020, Griffin texted with the mother of two girls ages nine and 13, telling the mother that it was her responsibility to ensure the elder girl was, quote, trained properly. According to the indictment, Griffin transferred $3,000 to the mother for plane tickets from Nevada to Boston. In July 2020, the woman and her nine-year-old daughter flew to Boston, where they met Griffin and drove to his Vermont home. There, the girl was, quote, directed to engage in and did engage in things that a child should never be made to do. We'll put it that way, with an adult, according to the indictment. Griffin faces a mandatory minimum sentence of 10 years imprisonment and up to life in prison for each charge if convicted. How is there a 10-year minimum for this? We need... Some people to spend more time locked up and some people to spend less time locked up. Nonviolent offenders. Somebody who's chilling in their house and they're, uh, you know, rocking a ganja or something. Okay, look, man, libertarian wise, you're minding your own business. You should be free to enjoy your life, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But when you start involving children, okay, if you, if, if, if this is not, this is where we're now no longer at victimless crime. Let's say you're somebody who smokes pot. In some states, It's legal recreationally, but not legal if you give it to kids. That's when I'm like, okay, there needs to be a penalty or a punishment or something to stop this. Laws. Now, I'm not a fan of the prison system. Don't get me wrong. But that's why I think one of the issues is when I when I look at the prison system and I say it doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't work for someone who's like engaging in a victimless crime. Someone who is constitutionally bearing a gun, but not legally according to the unconstitutional laws passed by their state. And this person's going to go away for four to five years or whatever. What, what did the person do? I know he had a weapon, but constitution allows it, right? Why should that person go to a prison that's not going to help him, not going to re- rehabilitate, especially when it's a matter for constitutional law? What about someone who is, you know, smoking pot in a state that where it's not legal? How is prison going to help that person or change anything or, or help anybody else? If you're minding your own business in your basement, your mom, let's, let's just say this, you're sitting in your mom's basement playing World of Warcraft and you, and you spark up and then the cops show up 
and they're like, you got too much. That's a crime. How is prison helping this person? How is it helping anyone in the community? It's not at all. Just pissing everybody off. Now, let's say that dude was inviting minors over and, you know, handing stuff to them. Okay, there you go. Now, I still don't understand how prison is going to help the person. But in this point, I understand how prison will prevent someone from preying on minors that I get. In this instance, a 10-year mandatory minimum. Well, it sounds like they're saying that, you know, with, with mandatory minimums, there could be less. No, no, no. Okay, look. This story, I believe, warrants life in prison, period. Just straight up life in prison. If you are going to do these things to children, then we need to remove you from society. And he faces life in prison. And good. Good. Now, in this, when, this, when we ask this question about prison, then, life in prison, we are not looking for rehabilitation. No, we are saying straight up, you are not allowed out. We're taking you out of society. You're going to live. You're going to have food. You are losing your freedoms via due process because you have done unspeakable things to children. But they would actually release these people. That's the craziest thing to me. If somebody is going to go into a liquor store with a gun and point it at someone, I think that's the kind of person that should go away for a long, long, long time. Why? Well, we can try to rehabilitate them. But if you're committing violent crimes against other people, we're going to remove you because we don't want those violent crimes. And always with a fair trial and always through due process. So I will, I will stress, this guy's innocent until proven guilty. I want to make sure I'm completely clear about that because, you know, just because the FBI says something doesn't mean I'm just going to believe it. Yeah, especially, no. However, I still think it's important that we consider the seriousness of the crimes and there should be a proper uh, bail hearing. And I think our, our, our courts typically struggle to have proper bail hearings. But if the police can present a preponderance of evidence that shows like he did this, like literally just being like, here's the messages. Are those your messages? And if he's like, yeah, lock them up. And then we'll, uh, you know, we'll start going through what the law, like what the law is and, and, and how long this person will serve. And I think this person should go away for life, for life. I don't think people should pray on children should be allowed out. Recidivism rates are really, really high among child predators. So why would we just be like, okay, you're free to go? Mm-mm. Now, Don Lemon himself as we, is facing um, you know, a court case of his own, but he does have a legal victory. Now, this is the, now we're moving to the bigger picture here with the fall of CNN and the outright collapse of cable news. When you see what's going on at CNN with this predator, when you see what's going on with, with Don Lemon and Jesse Smollett and Chris Cuomo, these are, these, these are corrupt, corrupt institutions. Now, look, I am not an unreasonable person. If CNN didn't know what this guy was doing, I can't blame them. This guy's a criminal. If, if, if they didn't know what Don Lemon's doing, well, I can't blame them. You know what Don Lemon did as a private individual outside at a bar or whatever? That's not on CNN. I don't like CNN. I think they're really awful. However, CNN does know that Don Lemon sent a message to Jesse Smollett giving him information on what the police were saying. That's information that's a major conflict of interest, especially in a story he was reporting about. For that, he should be reprimanded. I'm not someone who thinks you just immediately go up and fire someone. You got to give people a chance. You got to be like, dude, you crossed the line. I'm warning you now. I always say three strikes. I think three is good. If it were, if it were me and someone here did something like that, I would say, never do that again. You've been warned. Okay? If they did it again, I would say, you were told not to do it. You are now being warned that if you do this ever again, you will be terminated on the spot. And if they do it again, you fire them. So the first time they do it, 
That's kind of like, uh, you know, maybe there's something they did they didn't realize was wrong. Now you're like, okay, now you know it's wrong. The second time they do it, and I'm, and I'm talking about like Don Lemon and the conflict of interest. I'm not talking about what the other guy was doing. The second time they do it, you say, you have willfully and deliberately done something wrong that you knew was wrong. You will get one more chance. Then you're gone. Now, as for Don Lemon, however, this is interesting. He actually uh, um, has a victory in his case of assault. Now, the reason I highlight this story is that what we're dealing with is CNN and their history of helping predators. Well, I shouldn't say that's a little too hyperbolic, but they have the CNN, this, this, this producer who is doing these horrific things to children. You have Don Lemon, who's accused of doing something really disgusting to a guy at a bar. And then you have Chris Cuomo, who is actively trying to help his brother after his brother, Andrew, was accused of harassment, among other things like grabbing women. Well, Don Lemon has a victory here. This is interesting. CNN anchor Don Lemon saw a legal victory recently after a magistrate judge in his assault case recommended that the accuser be sanctioned for engaging in egregious conduct, including deleting social media posts and messages in which he alludes to paying a friend if he won the court case. Let me just tell you guys something. If you are suing someone, shut your mouth. What is wrong with these people? They're just like, I filed a lawsuit. I'm going to blabber and just say dumb stuff all over the Internet. Okay, well, that will come back to haunt you. If you are being sued, shut your mouth. There's nothing you can say that's going to help you. And all of the, all that ends up happening. I mean, there's things you can say, but that's not what people do. They come out and this guy said he apparently said he was going to be paying his friend if he won. Oh, geez. Well, you're going to lose. Okay. Maybe not, though. Maybe not. The ruling was issued in November. The magistrate in a federal district court in New York said Lemon's accuser, Dustin Heiss, should be ordered to pay a portion of the CNN anchor's legal fees and recommended that Lemon be granted an adverse in- infer- uh, inference instruction once the case goes to trial in January. Heiss has filed an objection to the magistrate's recommendation, and the trial judge has not yet ruled. Interesting. The instruction would allow Lemon's legal team to tell the jury in ultimately deciding the case that Heiss had intentionally deleted or destroyed evidence and that the jury may presume that the, in- that the intentionally lost or destroyed evidence would have been unfavorable to Heiss. Heiss's attorney told People that he is contesting the recommendation. Quote, that issue is pending before the district court and Lemon's position has not been adopted by the district court at this time. We are contesting the magistrate's recommendation, attorney Robert Barnes told People in an email statement. Lemon has emphatically denied the allegations laid on the lawsuit that in August 2019 and stemming from an alleged July 2018 incident without claims, the anchor, uh, which claims that the anchor physically and verbally attacked Heiss, a bartender during a night out at the Hamptons. I don't even want to say what he did because it's disgusting what he was accused of doing. They say uh, Heiss was working as a bartender when Don Lemon jammed his hands down his pants and then assaulted the man. The two had no further interaction. They go on to mention what happened. The behavior, Lemon's attorney suggested in court filings, directly undermines, undermined Heiss's factual allegations and claims of emotional distress. That's not true. That's not fair. But you shouldn't go out on social media and start blabbing and start saying crazy stuff. Now, look, we'll see what happens with uh, the assault claims against Don Lemon, this other producer who is now, has been indicted and is being charged. But these are sick people. And I don't care if the if the accusations of the criminal uh, nature are true. Regardless, the people at CNN are sick people. Don Lemon is one of the worst people on TV. Chris Cuomo is one of the worst people on TV. And CNN deserves to finally just sunset. We'll call it that. From The Guardian. 
CNN mess over Cuomo shows dangers of news as entertainment. It's true, though. You know, it's very true. I think a lot of people watch. Well, obviously, people watch this show for, you know, uh, informative and entertaining value. And it used to be that we would turn on the news and the news was dry. I remember that five o'clock news, 10 o'clock news, whatever, depending on where you live. I think Chicago had like nine, 10 and 11 or whatever, five o'clock news. And they would just talk. They probably still do. And it was mostly dry and mostly boring. Today, Jeff Zucker, the reality TV guy, takes over at CNN and turns the network into a parody of itself, into a reality TV show, into an opinion network. You know, and truth be told, that's what people want. It's what people want. Nobody, nobody wants to watch uh, a very dry, boring. Today, 17 vehicles were in a pileup on the just outside of Washington, D.C. The mayor came out and said, nah, just people don't want to watch that. That's what people do. Some people want to, but we want for only a few minutes just to get the core elements of what you need to know for the day. What most people want today is opinion, opinion commentary. CNN knew it. The problem is there is still an opening for a more middle of the road news approach to stories. And many of the stories that I actually cover are a little bit, little bit more exciting than just the dry news read. But some of them are pretty straightforward and lacking any you know, political opinion, still opinionated. What I mean is, for instance, when I was talking about Ukraine versus Russia, most of my opinions were on what Russia wanted, what the U.S. wanted, what we could potentially see. But a lot of it was just very much like, here's what's happening. Here's what they're saying. Here's where we go. Now, Russia's wanted this before. We'll see what happens versus the more direct opinion piece where the people are saying the U.S. should not be involved in Ukraine and, you know, Joe Biden, blah, blah, blah. Now, obviously, a lot of that stuff is still in, you know, uh, videos I've made. I'm saying that CNN doesn't do that. I mean, Anderson Cooper does a, does a decent job. He really does. I just think these people live too much in a fictional reality. What happens is when people like Chris Cuomo and Don Lemon spin a yarn and then people believe it, then they report garbage fake news. And so a really great example was when I was on uh, the Joe Rogan podcast recently and some of the there were, some, there were a bunch of comments on the podcast and one of them was like, or I don't, I don't know, uh, I think it was on uh, it was, maybe it was on Reddit. And they said, I've been listening for 45 minutes and it sounds like this guy is making all of this stuff up. And it's really amazing. It's really amazing. They would think that everything I said, you know, is sourced by Bill Gates approved NewsGuard certified news sources. It doesn't matter. Somehow the media has convinced people to to ignore what they see with their own eyes and ears and just believe this fictional matrix reality. Stories that I love to bring up, like the Ukraine scandal with Joe Biden, Joe Biden did. Quid pro quo, the president of Ukraine, he said, if you want the U.S. aid, a billion dollars, you got to fire the prosecutor. It just so happens the prosecutor was investigating Burisma, where his son was a board member. And the president, of course, did it and, and fired the prosecutor, who then filed the claim and said, this is Joe Biden's doing. But, the, but they will have you believe, if you watch CNN, that none of that is true. It's not just CNN. Aside from the disgusting nature of CNN, we're also learning that Chris Wallace is leaving Fox News to host a weekday show on CNN's new streaming service. That's right. Look, Fox News is, I'm not, a, I'm not the biggest fan, but I certainly think they're better than the other networks because you've got Brett Baer. You've got, uh, who else do you got? You've got uh, Bill Hammer, is that his name? You've got America's Newsroom, which is fantastic. Sorry, I'm forgetting the, the, the woman's name who hosts it. But uh, Tucker Carlson does a great job as well. Tucker's opinionated for sure. I don't think he's, he gets everything right, but he's a good dude. He's a good dude. I'm not a big fan of Ingram and Hannity. It's kind of, eh, you know, whatever. And, uh, but, but Brett Bayer, he's a fantastic job reporting. Far from perfect. Nobody is, but they have that. 
You turn on CNN, what do you get? Trash, opinion, garbage. Turn on MSNBC. Wow. They don't even cover important stories. And now Chris Wallace leaving Fox News to go to CNN's new streaming service, CNN Plus. Oh, I love how they call it that. CNN Plus. No, it's not CNN Plus. Okay. It's your can't your channel is dying. You're throwing a Hail Mary out there, but I get it. You need a streaming service. Um, you could just, I don't know, stream your actual channel, but whatever. I guess they're going to be doing on-demand streaming more like, you know, Netflix or whatever. And Fox News is losing Wallace. But you know what? Good riddance. Wallace is establishment trash. He, he's going to fit right in at CNN. Fox News, what should you do? Right now, I think they're going to keep Hannity because Hannity does really well with the older demographics. All right, fine. I get it. Hannity's not the worst, but I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of Laura Ingram either, but I think she's better than Hannity. Tucker, I'm a fan of. I think Tucker's fantastic. Um, I think they need to get rid of a lot of the stodgy suit wearing types. And if they want to start focusing on the key demo as everyone's demographic is aging out, they need to bring on, I mean, look, they got Gutfeld. Gutfeld's perfect. That guy is killing it. Massive in the ratings. That's what they need. Tucker Carlson, they need to hire younger people. They need to... I guess they, you know, look, I don't know. I'm not going to tell, I'm not going to tell them what to do. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I'll do. You know what I'll do? I'll make, I'll make my own network. We'll, we'll do a 24 hour news thing. We'll figure it out. And we're not going to have suits. We're not going to, we're not going to have suits. And you know what we're really not going to do? The Young Turks is just the worst, in my opinion. Look, you can come to my channel and I can say something like that. I'll give you my opinion, but I don't want 24 seven opinion stuff targeted at people and other networks, right? Young Turks likes to talk about, I don't know, me and Dave Rubin. And I'm like, it's just such petty. It's such petty trash. You know, and here I am talking about them. But at the very least, I'll say this. What I'm interested in talking about are the the seats of power and the institutions, not Dave Rubin. I'll talk about what Dave Rubin is doing with locals and rumble and the expansion of technology and big tech and censorship because the idea that matters. That's what we need. We need... Maybe not 24 hours. You know, maybe we would just have like re- reruns throughout the morning. We'll, 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 we'll do infomercials because it'll be funny. But just stream, you know, like 12 hours. We'll set up different shows. Maybe we'll do it. I think we should do it. We're building out a new studio. You know what? We'll do it. We will make a 24-hour uh, YouTube live. It'll be live 24-7. And we'll have people hang out and we'll report news and we'll expand there. And it's not going to be that hard. You get six people. Each of them hosts two hours. There you go. And we'll talk with Super Chats. It's not going to be like cable TV. I'm, sa- I'm talking big right now, but I think we're going to do it. I think we should do it if we can get this new building built, because the problem is, you know, the supply chain's disrupted. But uh, no, seriously, yeah, we're having trouble with that. But we'll get, we'll get, we'll get a couple, we'll get a studio built, and then we'll just have uh, news type individuals just come and sit down, hang out, informal. Look at this, no suits. And we'll take, we'll, take, we'll take Super Chats, and we'll pull up articles, and we'll have a rotating lineup of people. So throughout the day, people will pull stories, they'll talk about what they want to talk about, and we'll just have that news going. That's something we should do. 24-hour streaming news. And you know why that would work? The Super Chats will fund it. Not that I'm saying people are obligated to Super Chat, but I think if we were to replace what CNN's garbage is, and actually just have news conversations, and we're not going to do that stupid garbage of like, did you see what this guy said on YouTube? No. We're going to say, you see what Joe Biden said? You see what Kamala Harris said? Did you see what, uh, you know, uh, big institutional powers are saying? And don't get me wrong. 
I think commenting on, you know, media is absolutely fine. I'm just saying I don't want to dedicate a network to being, you know, a Democrat opinion channel or Republican opinion channel. Now we're going to be moderate middle of the road, talk about what we want, believe in freedom. Let's do that. Let's do it. Let's let's figure it out. I don't know. Who do I got? Who, who do I got to call? I'll figure it out. Thanks for hanging out. I'm going to leave it there. CNN is full of predators, gropers, and awful people. And Chris Wallace, good. You're going to do fine there. How about that? Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Life's better with American Family Insurance. Because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.